0: Yeah, I appreciate you doing the podcast. I have to go to the um, hardware store to buy a fire extinguisher because there's a 1% chance that there's an earthquake going to happen this week. What? Yeah. Uh,
1: so. <laughs> what are you talking
2: about? Welcome to the Mr. Bill podcast. I'm Bill's manager, Anand Harsh, editor-in-chief of com. Dennis Villeneuve's Dune trailer comes out next week, so to prepare, I'm fitting my still suit in the desert fashion, fitting my boots slip fashion like the Fremen, and processing urine and feces in the thigh pads. That's for that's uh, for maybe six of you. Another week, another blockbuster episode. Bill's guest this week is Benjamin Bayul, a.k.a. Bambi of the Belgian duo Ganja White Knight. Along with Erwan Charlie Dotson, Bambi conquered the American dubstep scene after years of consistent releases and a penchant for high-energy live shows. They've collaborated with Zeds Dead, Liquid Stranger, and Closey, and introduced the world to Boogie T, Subtronics, and more with their Subcarbon label. By the way, Bill's collab EP Dead Language with Essex came out on Subcarbon a couple years back. Tragically, Bill was going to join the Ganja White Night Boys for night three of Wobble Rocks back in April of this year. But the fucking Rona, man. Bummer city. Thanks to everyone who's joined the Patreon for this podcast. Subscribers to the Mr. Bill Patreon get episodes a full week before listeners to the free feed. And early access is available to listeners at all subscription levels. Patrons can also get bonus episodes, merch, Discord roles, and so much more. Just head over to patreon.com slash Mr. Bill's tunes to support the show. Finally, go to MrBillsTunes.com to sign up as a hardcore Abletoner. You get full access to Bill's project files and tutorials, and we'll be revealing some fun things about the website in the near future. All right, here's Bill's episode with Bambi of Ganja White Knight.
0: Uh, Sick. Well, yeah, man. Thanks for doing the podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks
1: for having me. Have you done podcasts before or is this the first one? First one. Nice. So i enjoying it with a nice cold one. Yeah. <laughs> what are you drinking? Stella? Yeah. It's the okay. random choice for a... It's a set choice for a Belgian, actually. People think it's like the, the super high-value beer in the US, but for us... <laughs> Or the Belgians actually is just ah, it's okay, but it's yeah. it, it good. It's a little test taste of Belgium. <laughs> I feel like in California,
0: there's a pretty high standard for beer. Seems like people here are into the craft stuff a lot. I also feel like to be a big DJ, you need to like pick a shitty beer and stick to it. Like for instance, Dead Mouse picks Corona. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, actually enjoy some Corona sometime. Whether <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, honestly. Yeah. When you're a DJ, I think you you gotta be able to uh, (laughs) drink a little bit of what's available. (laughs) Right,
0: that's a good point. Yeah, you you have to be uh, pretty malleable and resilient to your beer choices on the road. That's for sure. Uh, Oh yeah. Do you think um, Corona beers sales have gone down massively since coronavirus?
1: I think they got up. They've gone up. I think. That's. uh, I I I think I can. Really? I like, kind of I yeah, kind of well, imagine people like having Corona party and having only Corona beers available. I don't <laughs> know. Yeah, I wonder if um after coronavirus is done
0: like there's a vaccine or whatever if people are going to have like yeah, giant Corona parties with Corona, nothing but Corona beer and stuff like that. <sighs> yeah, I can see that happen here for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in America that makes sense, I think. I don't think that would make sense anywhere
1: else in the world. Uh, well, actually, I, I still have friends in Belgium yeah, and sometime, I mean, it's a small percentage of my, of my, um, of my timeline on Facebook, but sometime I, I see some stuff from Belgium and there, they were having fun with Corona beers too in Belgium. So nice.
0: How have you found the, the move from Belgium over to where you're in
1: LA? So yeah. How'd you find moving from, was it Brussels you were in? Um, I lived in Brussels for four or five years and then uh, in Waterloo, uh, a little south of Brussels for six months. Mm. And um, <laughs> it was not the plan, but <laughs> yeah, we we came uh, here in LA two times with my son um, over three years and every time we came here was great, great. So when we decided to move here in the U.S., it was like the, just uh, the safest choice for us. We, we spent a summer in Minneapolis and we enjoyed it too. Uh, that was like, is it? are we gonna be in Minneapolis or west coast? Because we, we know the weather there is great. It's crazy more expensive, but we know for sure we're gonna be happy there. And it was like the safe bet. You right. know, when, we, when you make such a big move like that, you don't wanna regret so you just take the safe bet. We knew we would love it here. So that's why we did it.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And the choice to live in Minneapolis was pretty much based around your management being there, right? Or was it just because you'd spent a lot of time there and sort of felt like home there? Well,
1: strategically, it was also pretty cool because that's a big hub for for Delta. And back in the day, we know <laughs> we used to fly every weekend. So uh, it kind of makes sense to... To base where you are with a, a big hub of the company you use all the time. Also, the management was there. Also, I love Minneapolis a lot. And um, definitely was making sense. But but yeah, I, my wife was like, nah, I, I won't handle the winter out there, which I can't totally understand because it's it's hardcore. Um And I wasn't sure we would enjoy Minneapolis during the winter because it's too extreme. And I respect the people out there that are able to handle it, right? But for Belgians like us, which doesn't have like super marked season anymore, like a a deep end, it would have been really tough.
0: Right. Yeah. um, Alex, for people who are listening, Alex is your manager, lived on that lake and um, he told me in the winter that whole lake, which was like, it was fucking huge. It was like miles across and miles long. Oh,
1: yeah. And Minnetonka.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In Minnetonka. And he said the entire thing in the winter would freeze. And instead of people driving around it to get to the other side, they just drive straight over it. Of course. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. He said people would drive into the middle of it, cut a huge hole in it and like fish there and like have a fire yep. on it. I was like, why would yep. you have a fucking fire on it next yep. to your car?
2: It's yeah. just going to melt
0: the ice and you're just going to fall in. And then he, he also mentioned uh, that people would drive over it slightly too close to like February and March because they would like get, they wouldn't, you know, think about it enough and then lose their car in the fucking ocean.
1: Yep. I've seen pictures. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Alex told you that David is the fisher guy. He is a fishman. David was living with Alex. Uh, They're still living together, but now in LA. But they were living together in that lake house. And um, I've seen, uh, I had video calls with David when he was actually, you imagine having like um, like, an RV that is just sitting on the ice and you have a hole in your RV, which is the hole where you fish through, you know? It's crazy. You have like a little home sitting on the ice and you play playstation the whole weekend and there's a hole in the ice in the middle of their rv that just you go and you fish from there it's it's insane (laughs) (laughs) and (laughs) so you just cut a hole in the bottom of the rv as well there's mean it's it's made for it it's not like an rv it's um i don't know how they call that like a fishing van Kind of, yeah. But it's, it's, it looks like a small RV living room kind of thing. You know, you have a kitchenette in there. You can cook. You have a TV. You have internet. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. You know, you got to be creative during the winter out there. It's so so extreme that you got to have some fun in some way. That, that looks really fun to me. Right. Yeah, I feel like people on the
0: West Coast get it pretty good. Like, for instance, um, San Francisco... Uh, If you just wear a hoodie and pants, you're pretty much good every day of the year. Whereas in LA, it's almost like if you wear shorts and a t-shirt, you're almost good every day of the
1: year. (laughs) Man, I moved with a lot of stuff from Belgium to here, you know, Uh, like uh, winter jackets, uh, scarf, uh, (laughs) beanies. You know, winter in Belgium is not that cold, but it it freezes sometimes. We have a little bit of snow. It's not extreme, but... And... (laughs) When I started putting the stuff, like we received the, so we, we moved here and uh, we had a container that was shipped from from Belgium to here that arrived a month after. And uh, when we received all our stuff, like the ma- majority of all of our stuff, that was the big volume, uh, we're like, what are we going to do with that? Like that all, we, we had a bunch of winter jackets, like a bunch of warm clothes, and, and now when I open my closet, I'm like, shit, that takes so much space for no reason <laughs> at all, but I, I don't like to put thing on the trash, I'm just going to give that at some point and realize that the only time I will need it is when I go see my friends in Minneapolis or I having shows in cold places like that, we'll just pack one of these in the suitcase.
0: Yeah, you'll play something like <laughs> Snowtar eventually and you'll be glad you have a jacket yeah speaking of taking up space in your uh, closet for no reason when i was at your house (laughs) i noticed you have more t-shirts than anyone i've ever seen it's like (laughs) somewhere in the realm of like a thousand t-shirts um
1: it's not i would say like 250 more
0: 250 is still yeah maybe not a thousand
1: uh, but but it's a lot of t-shirt i I gotta admit yeah dude i own
0: like 11 t-shirts (laughs) and they're all the exact same they're just all black
1: all black well you see what i'm wearing today right right it's a black (laughs) t-shirt h&m black t-shirt 15 bucks (laughs) yeah it's
0: It's good because it's like uh you don't have to think to it it just like you know you don't have to spend that extra few minutes in the morning or whenever you change your t-shirt figuring out what t-shirt to wear
1: yeah well uh I spend a lot of time choosing the t-shirt when I have shows and stuff like that, but since I've been at home for the last month, six months, eight months, actually, fuck, man. Um, well, I don't care that much anymore, but but I told you why I had so many t-shirts, right? Uh, no, I didn't know there was a reason for this. Uh, yeah, there's a reason. I think I told you why, no? Uh, no, What's the what's the reason? Well... When I was uh when I was younger, um like a teenager, uh I think I w I was I was pretty pretty poor, <laughs> can can say it, and I had like really few t shirts and it would get like um shrinked or damaged or just you know, pretty quick because uh I, I don't know I was skateboarding, I wasn't really taking care of my stuff really. And then it was really hard to uh switch between shirts and not have people that were having fun of me saying, Ah, you're wearing the same shit all the time. Like, yeah, well do that. Just that's just what I have. And I think that's the little revenge on, on myself having 250. Now. It's just like your way of bowling out now that you're successful. Yeah. You're like, it, I'm, I'm bowling with it. t-shirts, man. <laughs> <laughs> and a good portion of them are like like uh, like venue t-shirts or friends and uh, t-shirts. I actually had a period with a. Uh, uh, I think it was last month, every day I was wearing a, a friend's T-shirt, like, like Boogie T, Subtronics, all the people we've been on tour with that just gave me merch. Uh, every day I was wearing a merch shirt from my friends, our venues, our stuff like It felt good.
0: Yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, what kind of stuff do you think about when you're selecting a T-shirt to wear for a show? Because I never think about it, like I, all my shirts
1: are the same, so I'm just like, <laughs> I'll just wear this well, one. Uh, depending where it is. Well for example if I have a, like a show in um the intersection, uh I, I will try to remember and, and catch that t shirt they gave me a couple of years ago and just wear that one. The intersection is
0: in Knoxville or Nashville? Uh
1: Grand Rapids.
0: Grand Rapids, okay. What am I thinking Sick about? Sick venue. I'm thinking about really
1: cool venue. You've been there.
0: I think I might I might have. <laughs> Grand Rapids, hmm. I don't know.
1: That's interesting. It's is, the the intersection and the stash um, next to it, it's like two venues. I think they have three venues at that place now. Hmm. The intersection, I think, is the big one, and you have the stash. That's really next to it, same building.
0: What do you think is going to happen to those huge venues? Because, like, for instance, um, like a good a good example of one of those huge like multi venues is the Skyway Theater in Minneapolis, right? It's like the Skyway Theater, the Loft, Studio B. And I think maybe like one more or two more rooms that are just in this giant building. So the rent on that place must be like 50, 60 grand a month or like something insane,
1: right? It's like I, th- I think they own it. Actually. Okay.
0: Well, I mean, even if they own it, like the taxes and the monthly oh, yeah. fees and you know, yeah, property tax and all, all that kind of stuff would be insane just to run wow. that building. And right now they can't like hold events in it. So, um, yeah, I wonder what's going to happen to a lot of these buildings. Are they just going to get all taken over by industries that could work through the recession of covid like tech industries and stuff like that and we'll see a giant shortage in venues or
1: ah uh, i mean i i know some venues have um like trying to to raise money uh they have this um oh fuck, i i shared it i should remember the name of it It like save our venues something like that uh let me find it out i think it's save our venues you've seen that right
0: no, it's like a giant GoFundMe type thing,
1: kind of. Yeah, for independent uh, promoters, and venues, and uh, yeah, I kind of find it. But I shared it. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, I also wonder the, the same kind of thing about not just venues, but also agents, right? Because like agents make all their money from their acts touring. So uh, if agents, none of their can tour uh,
1: agents, uh, uh, production company. You think about. I mean, we, we have friends, uh, agents, friends, productions company friends. We have friends all over the place that are struggling right now because there's uh, the way to get their money is just being able to throw show. And uh, yeah, it sucks, man. Like people just bought a lot of equipment before that shit happened and now they're not stuck with it. Obviously, maybe they... they I don't know how they... they they can survive like through this it's it's tough and uh, uh, honestly the big venues it's one thing but but think about all the small venues that are like that those first steps for an artist that you need to accomplish and to start building your your crowd and start becoming a professional like all those small venues are gonna be they're struggling a lot more i think than than the big ones
0: yeah, yeah, it's it's conceivable for sure cuz I mean, I guess the the smaller venues they'll have less like costs to cover, but yeah, they might may not have as much money saved. Yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah, definitely. Speaking
0: of uh money saved and stuff like that. Um I mean, I know you just moved to LA and then bought a house, so I mean, I'm sure you invested a ton in all of that, but um like how are you doing through the COVID thing cuz you
1: can't do shows, so do you have like extra income streams right now? Um no, not really. It's uh, it's it's not easy, honestly. I mean, you, you said obviously I bought a house, moved to LA. It's not a cheap city for sure. It's it's like three times more money than what I was paying in Belgium. Uh, so that that's a lot. Um, not having shows is stressful, obviously, because you don't know how long it's gonna take to be finally be back to generate the same kind of money you were doing before. So it's the <laughs> and yeah, the like, fact that it, it happens like six months after uh, after we moved, uh, I mean, seven, seven, eight months after we moved in, actually a bit more, but still uh, pretty close. And um, it's, it's stressful, man. I mean, the only money we're making right now is through the royalties, the label, you know. Um, uh, we didn't even release merch uh, yet. Like, we, we're going to drop some merch soon, but um so many things happened since that not it was a virus and then and then a lot of other stuff happens you know it's it wasn't just never the right time for us to really start releasing merch collection or something that would generate money for us you know that was not really appropriate i think right.
0: yeah and it was crazy too cuz you had like um <clears throat> You had some big shows booked that were like doing well too. For instance, the you had almost three nights of red, like two nights of Red Rock sold out, and then a third night almost sold out, right? Yeah, which is it was insane. It's o- like,
1: it was doing okay, man. It <laughs> break my heart.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like thirty thousand tickets sold. How long do you think it'll be before ten thousand people are comfortable being next to each other again?
1: Ah, uh, who the fuck knows, man? Do you know? <laughs> I would say no. You have an idea? What do you, you bet on? What like what? What, what are your inputs on a, on, on the I vaccine? Would, right?
0: Yeah, I would bet like once the vaccine is out, people. Yeah, would that's be, what
1: everybody that that think. I I I'd like to say, I a part of me have some hope and and say like, hey, vaccine is great, but if you have an instantaneous test we would be able to do to make to make like big crowd shit happen again if you have like a test that you have the results right away something that is accurate you know and you don't have to wait more than a minute just to you know if if you're carrying it or not then it would be able to to happen i think yeah there's uh, some I, home
0: I, tests that you can get where um you can uh just order a test and do it at home and I, apparently it's like I wanna say somewhere in the realm of 20 to 40% accurate, maybe less than that. Oh, um, what's poor enough? Like, having a test status? Reg- is- well, the regular tests that you can get, I've been tested four times since uh-huh. all this started. And those tests are even only like 30, 40% accurate. Oh, damn. That, that, which is that, like, so,
1: what's the point of being taste- tasted if you have only 30% chance of having the right result? Well, a lot of essential workers. Um, get
0: mandatorily tested every two weeks at this point. So I guess like even if the chances of them, of those tests being. It's all about reducing the risk. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Which I think at this point can only be done by people not being near each other.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Common sense, which is, uh, which is not so common.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, have you done any online sets or have you thought about doing any online sets?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, that that's fun because you you came at at my place here right before this happened right
0: yeah I was glad just, that, that just happened because a, yeah, a week I, before right I think I think it was about a week before everything got locked down I was at your house yeah
1: yeah and I was stressed as fuck because I was um, I wasn't sure I would get the house and all that I would I would have maybe need to move and start looking for another place with that climate that was happening at the beginning of this like extremely stressful not knowing what's happening but yeah anyway um yeah uh, i remember when you came i think we discussed that about live show streaming performances i tell you I, would, I i just don't know if i would feel really in the mood for that kind of stuff like i I posted a little bit on the buds group about it, saying that I need that connection, that feeling of the crowd when I'm on the stage. It's it's the people reaction. The, obviously, the music and the, and and the powerful sound system give you the the, the energy uh, for your body to move and to pass their limits sometime. And the stage and the production and all that atmosphere makes it magic. Obviously, and make makes you surpass yourself, but. The crowd reaction is really, literally what makes me enjoy performing live. It's, uh, um, I mean, after that, it's, I have a lot more fun just being in my studio and writing music. I take much more pleasure there. If I'm just playing for for nobody that I can see or hear, it's, uh, it's difficult. I don't think I will enjoy it really. A lot. It might be selfish to think that because people would say, "Hey, we would enjoy it a lot if you were doing a, a streaming performance." But I'm. I feel like <laughs> you have a picture of me when you see me on the stage. I would be totally different if it was just in front of a camera.
0: Right. And also, I mean, you guys invest a lot into your sets. Like you do stuff like bring sound systems to shows, and bring giant LED walls to shows, and bring pyrotechnics to shows, and yeah, all that it's a kind whole, it's a whole would, show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All of that would be like that whole giant cinematic epic experience would be lost. And then also on top of that, um, the main issue I have with it for my stuff is uh, there's just no way to control the sound. Like I'm pretty big these days on bringing my own sound system to a show. Like the last few shows I was doing before uh, <clears throat> all the COVID stuff happened, every show I'd be bringing either a Hennessy or a Function 1 most most of the time. And Without being able to control the sound in that way and have everybody who's experiencing it be experiencing it at the level that I would like them to, um, it kind of loses something. It's like, it's one thing to put your music out and people to listen to it on their iPhone speakers because they're going to do that anyway. And you you know, it's necessary for you to release music, right? Like, you can't just not release music. Um, But it's another thing to, yeah, like stream a whole live set where you want that to be like the big sort of unveiling of a bunch of unreleased stuff and like a bunch of work in progress stuff and you know you don't want to like release all that stuff for the first time that anyone's ever hearing it on like shitty speakers and and it's just you can't control what people will listen to it on some people will be listening on their phones some people will listen to it on laptop speakers some people might have headphones some people might have like tv speakers and it's like <laughs> you know i, I can't uh yeah, it just feels wrong to me to sort of unveil all of that stuff I, in such I, an uncontrolled I can, setting.
1: I can definitely see why you, uh, like knowing you a little bit and know how you like shit to sound right, <laughs> I can see what pisses you a lot, man. Yeah, and uh, well, I didn't even thought about that personally because, but but I th- I thought more about like me being able to having the energy that people deserve from me uh, at least or uh, i'm i mean seeing just me enjoying it enjoying it i, I don't want to have like a like a sad face <laughs> doing a live stream on videos and that's uh that's what's make me holding a, li- a little bit more but at the end <laughs> i think we might have to do it at some point you know just to to keep that connection
0: yeah yeah I, i'm kind of feeling the same way i also think people um don't appreciate uh don't don't appreciate enough how much a show is like a full body experience too because like when you have those giant led walls and all of those lights and a giant sound system it's like it's not just like some tracks that you're hearing it's also like this giant thumping vibration in your body Mm. that you're feeling and like you almost can't see because you're blinded by so much light and then this Mm. the system is like so loud that it's just filling your ears so so much with sound that you can't hear anything else it's kind of like this full sensory overload experience and you definitely don't get that on a computer at home
1: oh hell no yeah well i'm sure people are missing that the physical. Thing with that is linked with shows like the the heat from from the pyrotechnic, uh, like the crowd movements, the crowd reactions, <laughs> the um, the warm atmosphere. Sometimes it's wet, sometimes sometimes it's dry, sometimes it's I, I, mean, the crowd interaction. Obviously, that that's what I miss the most. Like. Going well at every shows, so almost ninety nine percent of the time. We're, when we're on tour or festival or anything, what, what I enjoy the most is just walking through the crowd before the show and just see how how diversified it is, how funny it is. It's um, that's what I was enjoying going to festival before even even playing at them. You know, I, right. I was going to that festivals. The whole like, carnival esque
0: energy. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I love them, man. I Like. I like to go in the crowd, and see people doing crazy shit. <laughs> it's I love it. How do you
0: it. go walking around the crowd of your own show? Do you get recognized a lot, or are you pretty unrecognizable? Uh, you think?
1: Um, I don't spend my whole day on on Instagram stories showing my face every day, so people recognize me, obviously, but maybe not that quick as the people that do that. Um like sometimes, sometimes a
0: very distinct look as well. Like yeah. maybe if you're wearing your Adidas uh hoodie or Oh no, like
1: uh, yeah, no, that's over. No, the Adidas jacket, if I walk into the crowd and I'm wearing that, that's over, no, of course. But but if I'm if I'm just wearing a black shirt and a hat, sometimes it takes a little longer before people recognize me. Sometimes they, they ask me to take a picture of their group. That's so funny. <laughs> I love it. I take a <laughs> selfie and then I take a picture of their group and I give them the camera back. Nice.
0: Yeah, I always love doing that. If somebody asks me to take a photo, I'd just like take a photo of myself. And <laughs>
1: <laughs> and and then a picture of them too because you're like, right, right, right. okay. But <laughs> no, I, I love that. That's honestly one of my favorite part of going to places and playing into different festivals and stuff like that. Taking the atmosphere, walking from stages to stages and just, you know, experiencing the atmosphere of the festival before playing. That That's, I miss that.
0: how do you feel um how how have you been going with making bangers when there's no big systems to play on because i've found it to be a little tricky to be honest i i find um i found before i was uh well when i was playing shows every weekend it kind of made sense to make heavy music because then i could just play it directly on the weekend so there was this constant like sort of (laughs) recycling and input output of energy or whatever Mm -hmm. happening to make that kind of stuff but i find now that there's like there's not that output for it it's almost it just feels sort of like uh, you can't test or, it yeah it's like it feels pointless to make at the moment so i just been uh, make, making nothing really that heavy
1: uh, yeah well you know definitely if you want to release something these days it's going to be I mean it would make more sense to me that you release some uh, like people call it spotify music but you, you know what i'm saying like it's yeah, yeah. no bangers obviously because you, it's maybe not what people would being able to enjoy it is right value right now like he yeah yeah well well. if if we were releasing uh hybrid distillery the album we, we released in 2016 these days i'm sure it would be even probably way more successful than it was back then just because it's more at home listening kind of thing but uh yeah honestly Producing bangers, playing them right away, not even when they're still in a work in progress to stages. We used to do that a lot too, but um, I, I got a good idea. Um, you cannot, you never can predict the crowd reaction, obviously. You, you can imagine it sometime, you you learn to trust yourself, to, to, to know that gonna work, that's not gonna work. Um, Uh, to having the sensation here you know I love my sub pack I love that I love that thing (laughs) so that that gave me a lot of um, physical experience of um, of the subs at least that's a good thing you ever put your sub pack on the floor? Uh, you told me that Joss told me to do that too and I I actually didn't try that yet I really should I thought it was like the right way to do it
0: it's good, man, putting your feet on it, I feel like. Because it, it feels like you're standing on the stage, kind of.
1: Which makes so much more sense to me. I don't, I don't know why. I, I've just been used to use it on my um, chair all since I got it. Uh, but I... I feel like it would be just going everywhere if I was putting it on the floor. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, the other good thing about putting it on the floor is like it's easier to deal with the cable management, like, because you can just sort of come up the side of your table with the cable. Whereas if it's on your chair, I feel like coming across the table and shit with the cable is sort of. Annoying. Yeah,
1: that bothered me. Actually, it's starting to be uh, destroyed at this point. But right. Because it's like you can still work in.
0: <laughs> yeah, you can only get in and out of your chair like one way and you can't like yep. spin around and shit. Yeah, exactly. I think they have a Bluetooth option, but um,
1: yeah. Well, there's a Bluetooth option here, but uh, I don't know if... Yeah, there might be... You can not do that with your phone, no problem. But here with the sound card and all that, I'm not sure I would be able to plug it in Bluetooth.
0: How do you cope with uh, not losing momentum at this point of your career because i remember like 2016 we were playing some shows together and in fact i think a few of them were like co-headline shows even it might have even been earlier like 2014 (laughs) um Uh, and now there's obviously like such a giant disparity between how big ganja is and how big the mr bill project is um but even i feel this at this point in my career like trying not to lose momentum with it and trying to like keep up with like whatever success is Coming my way and trying to like roll with it and work it in my favor and stuff. But obviously, like, there's such huge rewards and such huge losses for someone in a project the size of yours to like lose or gain momentum there, right? So, like, um, yeah, how do you cope with that feeling, I guess, of like trying to keep up the momentum with the project now that it's with, at
1: this size? You're talking about with the current situation with COVID or just in general?
0: Just in general, but I guess also like yeah, <laughs> with the because situation. it's
1: really different, you know. Right. I would say in general, uh, just keep making music. You keep doing, keep being yourself. Keep keep releasing stuff. Trying to uh, now that you have more. Um, I mean, it's always been a thing for us since we started the project to make an animated music video because to me it was the only way to really. Um, um how can i say like um we always produce music thinking about a story uh we don't think about the story right away but we wanted to tell something to uh it's all about emotions and and um and contrast it's always been like that and to really show that visually with something that makes sense the only thing to me was animation because um don't have a singer, don't have something really we can just follow with a camera or you have to go super abstract or uh, dancers. And uh, yeah, to me, it was just a whole original um, universe, which was, uh, of course, the first music video of master. And, uh, and since we became to be a little bit more popular, making a little bit more money, obviously, uh, we we're like, great, we can we can go take that route a little bit more, make other music video, like pr- produce, uh, giving people more of that universe, imaginary universe we created around the project. And uh, it's just, I, I remember having a hard time trying to find, to make the show something unique and original, like a whole a whole universe around the music project, to me, what, what, what was so important it's just not about the music i want it to be um a whole experience and uh and i think since we started to take that road over the years we just keep pursuing that that route and just uh keep adding to that universe introducing new characters uh, it's easy to build stories you know it's uh when, when you're so into it like that, we, we talk with Ebo. we have brainstormings. We're like, okay, well, what could... We know the character, uh, you know, the personality of Mr. Wobble, the personality of Dark Wobble, of Shell, of all the character we introduced along the way. And we're like, okay, well, who could we explore right now? It's really exciting because yeah, you, you know it's a never-ending story. You, you can tell nonstop that you can explore a little bit more of 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 shack shell we could release another shack shell focused music video we could people asking to know a little bit more about dark wobble right now which i which makes a lot of sense because still a lot of mystery around it but we'll get there and uh yeah i think it helps keeping the momentum like you said just keep releasing stuff keep stuck to what you've been doing Uh, not saying that you shouldn't Question it yourself all the time, obviously. But you create a universe; just play with it. It's fun. Right. And, uh,
0: what is the storyline that you have going? I obviously know the branding, like I know what Mister Wobble looks like and Dark Wobble and Chuck Shell and stuff. But um, yeah, what is the actual story?
1: The story? Well, I, I cannot tell much because we we have it created. Um, we don't know yet if we're gonna tell more about Mister Wobble history with uh, another music video, comic books can be, can be a lot of thing. You know, we, we thought about, I thought about everything, you know, uh, but we just don't know yet how we're going to tell people more about it.
0: Right. Is it more, um, is the story like, a? Sort of set narrative kind of thing where it's like a person who does a thing and there's like a protagonist and an antagonist and all that kind of stuff and there's like a conflict resolution type thing or is it more or less just sort of like here's the personality of one kind of guy is like more sort of playful and sort of chubby and fat and charming and then there's this <laughs> other thing that's like more scary and uh you know
1: uh, there's there's uh like
0: there it's a little bit of both I would say yeah so it's a little he, bit of like this personality thing and then a little bit of like an actual sort of yeah narrative
1: like we have we had like a whole a whole new music video already write it. and ibo even started drawing sketches and storybook for it but uh yeah we just didn't had the time to produce it but uh yeah to tell you we love writing stories and uh it's, a, it's just full of elements that we started building of all the years that we can play with right now it's really fun really really fun
0: Man, it's insane how fast Ebo is at making videos. Um, <laughs> like, every time I do a video with Funny, <clears throat> it takes him like months, which is fair enough. I mean, what he does is incredibly complex and time-consuming to do. Um, same with Ebo, but it's just crazy the turnaround time he gets, it's like, especially with the label, right? Because like, you guys put out releases pretty regularly, and every time you put out a release, there's a video usually accompanying it. Um, always, to, always. You know, Yeah, and he seems to knock him out in like less than a week or
1: something. Oh, (laughs) that's good. You get you have that feeling. (laughs) It takes a little bit more than that. Um, Yeah. Well, well, you know, we we, because we release one of your EP with SX, but definitely we want to make it special on the label. We want the label to be. to carry the the, um, the uniqueness, I think, of the project of Genja White Knight to the label was the right way to do it with the graphic universe. And Ibo, obviously, is the man to, that is able to do it right every time. But every time we release a new artist, we have a brainstorming with the artist just to understand a little bit what he's looking for. Um, we always trying to make it possible in a way that... Uh, you know, if you want to tell a story during the the animation, always introduce the EP announcement and all that. We we're trying to build a story, something simple, obviously, because it cannot take six months. You know, it took six months to produce Shack Shell. so you have a, a little idea of that. Like a full time, six month. Mr. Wobble, uh, Wobble Master, sorry, took him, I think five to six weeks. Um, if you're looking at like the details between the first music video and Check show, there's a lot of improvement there. It took a lot of more time. The The storyline, it's uh, really basic on, on uh, Wobble Master too. So, so it was a great start, but we're always trying to push in it higher, you know, giving people more detail, more more story, more beautiful panels, more complex animation. Ebo is really fast. is really good. But he needs a team now to to be able to achieve something more complex, something more detailed. Um, so, yeah, he, he needs uh, some other hands. Uh, that'd be great if we could, like, just clone him, make, <laughs> like, 10 of them. <laughs> that'd be great. But, yeah, like I say, every time we release a new artist on Subcarbon, brainstorming, build a story... We're trying to make an animation that matched our universe, but with our sauce a little bit like with our spice, so we can see right away that it's also linked with subcarbon. And then uh, it takes between three weeks and a month to produce the animation, depending on how Ebo's schedule is. <clears throat> um. So when you're like writing
0: music as well, <clears throat> are you usually thinking sort of? Uh, yeah, how do you think about writing music then? <clears throat> do you usually think about it from the perspective of this is what it's going to look like at the end, like in the, the show sense, like this is what the show is going to look like and therefore I'm going to write music to sort of match that? Or do you just sort of write music and then decide after the fact, this is what we should do with it visually?
1: Well, I no, I I wish it would be... Not, not that I wish, obviously, it doesn't matter. But when I write music, it's just the way I, I write music... Is always um, I, I need to build like I, I need to transfer emotions, and as soon as you have an emotions in a track, the image are are coming naturally. I feel like the storyline can be a lot of different things. Um, for example, like dark heart surgery, uh, which is a pretty different track. It's not dubstep, so it's it's pretty unique track on the last album. Have this. Um, animated music video uh, we don't really call it a music video because it's it's based on loops you know it's less complex and detailed than shack shell it's uh still have mr wobble in there but but i don't know if you saw it but anyway it's um when i started producing that track, i had no idea of of how to to show to to make a visual to tell Ebo, hey, dude, I, I need that to go with that track because it's really make me that that's a story I had in my head when I was producing the track. Definitely not that didn't work like that. But every time I produce a track, the main goal for me to is to transfer emotions like uh, um, like and the story just go naturally after you you feeling something. You know, it's always like can be sad it can be like epicness, something epic and or um something um heroic or <laughs> dramatic uh, or anger or um something violent but you start with these emotions and then because we have the whole universe already in place kind of like okay what what could it be should it be shack shell um, do you feel like this character is more connected to that track than this character? Oh, that definitely sounds like Dark Wobble is doing something because it's a really dark and aggressive track, so we're gonna link that to that character. Uh, or this one is more uh, dance floor groovy. That's definitely Mr. Wobble that is dancing on this one. You know, it's easy to put a track on each character, and uh, that's what we did on the Origins too. You know, we're trying to link this specific track to the um, samurai or or um uh, the native uh the the flute Chilum, what's definitely the one with the um, not 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 flute chillum what i'm talking about but um there's one that was linked with the native uh which was um oh, god damn which one um fucking i cannot even remember my own track how stupid <laughs> is that uh...
0: do you think um do you think like part of the reason why you guys got so big is <clears throat> a because you gave people a lot to identify with through this like giant narrative and like as you call it a universe but b because like you write music that has a lot of emotion into it which is sort of maybe contrasting against like a lot of the other dubstep that is has at the moment which is sort of just like very testosterone induced heavy like banging <laughs> kind of stuff
1: yeah well uh, i always thought that um there's engineers in the in the production field that are so much more talented than than us in making creating like unique super impressive sounds and our strength on our side with the project was to create uh, melodies and emotion and stories. Um, I. I do my best to create, uh, impressive sounds too, you know, but, uh, I definitely would never compare my production skills with you, for example, which is you're just a master at sound designing and stuff like, that. I will never pretend to be, uh, uh a master at that. that. That's why I actually never really thought about even making like a masterclass or stuff like that, because I don't think my skills are that, um, impressive but But i put my master class on like what it is that
0: you are really good at right which is like you say songwriting basically
1: yeah like um the the base of of music for me you know which to me it's more uh, to me my i'm not judging anybody that 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 thing differently but to me it's it's super important to to transfer to uh, to have a Dialogue and emotions uh, through music, and obviously, uh, I write simple melodies. Uh, you know that are sometimes people might even think they're catchy or easier to uh, not as original as other artists, uh, which I, I get it obviously. But it, it's my thing. You know, uh, I'm trying to uh, to improve myself every time I, I produce a track, and I'm trying to be original as much as I can. And uh, but most important to me, it's uh, yeah emotions. If I feel something when I produce a track, then that's that, that's okay to me. I'm gonna work on it. Yeah, nice.
0: Yeah, I get like um, kind of paranoid when I'm making music for EDM dubstep crowds, uh, especially in DJ sets. But also while I'm writing, while I'm writing, I don't get quite as paranoid about this, but. I always feel like, all right, I can't have like too long of an intro or too long of a buildup or, <laughs> you know, I can't fuck around like too much. So, like it has to get to the point pretty quickly, which is the point being the drop basically. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, it will uh, lose people's attention and all that. Uh, and it might be just me projecting because I my attention gets lost pretty quickly when I'm listening to music too, if it doesn't get to like something <laughs> kind of crazy. So like I'll, I'll find myself on SoundCloud yeah. just skipping to drops and stuff like that. Because um, you're a
1: technician.
0: Right, yeah. But um, one thing that you pointed out while we were working together, which I thought was really cool and, uh, and I've been trying to implement more into my music <clears throat> is the idea of like validating your work, which is how you put it, which makes a lot of sense because it's like if you make a really sick drop, it's almost like that drop is only... It can only be like so cool without stuff surrounding it, like contrasting Mm -hmm. things. And it's almost like making the bigger intro and whatnot, um, or out, yeah, the bigger build up or whatever, kind of validates the drop more Mm -hmm. and makes that drop
1: ten times more impressive than it would have been without it. Hell yeah, the 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 whole context around it, it's so important. Right, but especially when you have such a cool drop. Even let's say, I don't know, if you start your production by making drop, you probably have ton of different. ways to to start production but if you have such a cool drop idea i would feel like i I usually start with the intro you know i build the universe the harmony and all that and then i i find a drop that that contrasts to the intro or just uh follow it and um in a more epic way you know like drop (laughs) should be uh anyway and um if i was starting with a drop and I had a drop that I felt like is super cool, it would actually give me so much inspiration and, and energy to create an intro that validate that drop. Like I, I remember I told you that, like that's why you say validate, but a drop is not is just, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, my English sometimes is not as good as I wish it would be, but damn, Um like you said, if you have a cool drop, just make the intro that would make it even cooler and, and wait for it. There's no, there's no rush at all. That this, if, if Our first album, if you check it out, all the intro we did is 1 minute 49, because it was <laughs> 140 BPM and the structure was like that. 1 minute 49, it's a damn long intro. Right. Super long. And when and you then, play it live, you play the entire one minute forty nine. <laughs> it depends. sometime you know, uh, it, it try it, try it, try it. You should so try. I, Make I mean, a long I, intro and then a sick drop after one minute and a half. Let the t- let people breathe in at shows.
0: Yeah, I think I need to do that more. I especially have this problem in shows more so than I think I do in my production because I mean I write a lot of stuff that has intros and st- like nice long mm-hmm. progressive things, but um. Yeah, when I play live, that's where I have the the issues because I I'm just so paranoid to like let people breathe because it's like it seems almost like it'll give them a chance to leave and I'm like no like drop drop, drop. but <laughs> well, also you, you, um, you got to
1: trust yourself
0: totally, really. Yeah. but also the more you trust yourself the really more you, you assume trust, those intro well really you have to trust the crowd right <laughs> <laughs> um, ah. to not leave but I also feel like if you just play drop 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 it's like everything kind of just becomes not a drop anymore you know like it's just all too heavy so it no longer becomes it no longer sounds heavy but um another thing that I found interesting working with you is that you work very linearly like you said you sort of start with the intro and just work your way from there whereas mm-hmm. I work very non-linearly like I'll start working on the intro and then I'll be like oh that gives me an idea for like a, a another thing and I'll just start working on it and I noticed every time I did that you are like no let's go back and like finish this area of the song before moving <laughs> on to the next area and i just can't do that i just find it so hard to work linearly like that linearly meaning like write the yeah, intro, yeah, and then I, the first it and then the next drop then. yeah
1: I, I think it's just because your your technicality and the and and your it's so easy for you to to throw new ideas create new ideas because everything you have in your head you can reproduce it like right away which is a thing i cannot do uh not that easy so it takes time for me to do that so i i'd like i like to follow the chronology of the track and um and trying to i mean, I mean sometime i skip some point that i know oh, okay i can do that no problem that that's maybe what you're doing you're like oh i can do that later no problem let's skip to uh something at the end of the track i just did the id for it but i like to have the whole line of the story and the track the the whole the whole thing Chronologically, and be sure to validate every step of the track, like the intro, the build, drop, bridge, whatever it is. Sometimes it's it's different, but in dubstep, usually that's how it goes for us, at least. But yeah, working in in line. Yeah. That's I've been doing that for 15 years, man. <laughs> it's uh, I I I'm not saying that it's the right way to do it, but uh, I get my that that's my way to do it right
0: what do you think of dubstep in 2020 like this whole sort of <clears throat> super aggressive insane hybrid kind of thing that's going on
1: well um do you have a an artist in in mind specific
0: well i mean like i just uh, i mean like the whole dubstep scene right now seems well not the hold up but like a lot of it seems like it's sort of this like insanely aggressive like spectral sounding like Mm-hmm. Really tight, aggressive stuff like, say, Subtronics or Ultrasound, or uh, you know, a lot of this like Virtual Riot and stuff like that, um, uh, or uh, Eliminate, or you know, a lot of the Disciple guys. Or it just seems like this just crazy smeared spectral like sound design <laughs> stuff, and I love it. I think it's really impressive. Um, and I guess it sort of came off the, off the back extremely of extremely
1: impressive.
0: Uh, yeah. yeah, it came off the back of I guess like dubstep and rhythm and trap i suppose and it's sort of like just this big hybrid mash of all of those things now um whereas your stuff it, it's kind of the other side of of that world completely it's sort of more like in line with the 2008 like Rusko, casper scream style stuff
1: <laughs> yeah yeah well that, that that that's how i fell in love with the with dubstep you know and uh uh i I respect these guys, the disciple guys are engineers, really. they are pushing boundaries of of sound, and it's it's great. I love that it's 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 a it's new experience every time I just blast their sound in the studio and just like, "How the fuck they do that it's It's extremely impressive um I love it, but it's just not what i'm what i'm um I don't feel confident about producing something like that. And I don't think I'm capable of, it. And it's just not my my way to to um, to create. It's not my. I, I don't feel it's just not me. But but these guys are are really pushing the limits. I love these guys. I really, the the sound they're producing is just wow. Like they they have um <laughs> eliminate here it's funny you say that that the last one they did was Shaquille O'Neal <laughs> the second drop of this oh my god I play and repeat like this this is so groovy this, that sound is super original super heavy and uh and it grooves a lot that's something I can follow with these guys are their basses grooves they have great groove uh, it might not focus as much as we do on harmony and, and uh, melody, of course, but there's a lot of value in their music for sure.
0: Yeah, I feel like a lot of the melody stuff in your music is sort of more reminiscent of like film scores and stuff like that, especially like Hans Zimmer, which you've told me you're influenced by a lot. Mm, um, yeah. I feel like the melodies in stuff like Eliminate and Subtronics and Ulis and Virtual Riot and stuff, it's more reminiscent of like the trance and rave culture which is just yeah. like these these big like trance gating synths and like mm-hmm. these giant super saw leads and stuff like that.
1: Definitely. But you know it's all connected uh, uh like you said a big influence uh, of me for many years Hans Zimmer and and, and movie scores and and uh, because again it's it's linked to a story. <laughs> and uh and and trance and uh and uh, underground music like 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 um like you said, those melodies are more influenced by trance music and maybe techno or, um, but yeah, I don't feel as much connected, but yeah. do
0: um, You
1: think you would ever want to, uh, score a movie? I, I, we actually did. <laughs> Wait, really? Which movie? Um, it's a independent, um, independent movie It was made in, in Belgium, uh, maybe in France actually by, uh. Uh, Indian uh, writer. Um, it was a long time ago. It was a really, really small movie, but it was a fun experience. And I, uh, I wish one day I'll uh, do something legit. But I'm too young for this. I that's great. I say young because I feel kind of old. But <laughs> say to score a movie, you gotta be forty, fifty. Yeah. Well,
0: <laughs> if you keep touring at the rate you are, you'll be forty or fifty in no time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, uh, if you do what were you doing before COVID, like 80 shows a year? Uh, I think a little more, like 100 shows a year. Yeah. If you do that, uh, you'll
1: be 50 by the time you're 36. <laughs> <laughs> In three years? Oh, yeah. shit. I feel like I saved some, some years this past six months. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have you ever heard of dopamine detoxing? Nope. This is something I was learning about last night. So basically, um, just as like somebody who drinks a lot of alcohol would build up a lot of tolerance to alcohol. Somebody who aggressively gets dopamine out of things will also build up a tolerance to dopamine. And so for instance, social media, right. There's something that will give you a lot of dopamine or uh, eating like really like sugary foods or something like cheesecake or some shit will like, you know, give you a lot of dopamine eating, eating chocolate or drinking wine or whatever. So it's like, these are things that give you a lot of dopamine and if you build up a tolerance to dopamine then everything starts to seem boring because dopamine is what makes life seem not boring mm-hmm. um so i was reading him or sorry watching a youtube video about uh this thing called dopamine detoxing where one day a week you abstain from anything that gives you dopamine so no internet no phone no whatever um and the point of it is to give your dopamine receptors a detox and then regular tasks will seem not as boring anymore
1: (laughs) yeah well that it kind of makes sense in some ways i I feel like uh being (laughs) um that's crazy that people kind of find data over that and trying to explain everything like i don't know to me like having like a a normal days, is, is if you're if you're moderated with everything, you shouldn't have that problem really. If you don't exaggerate anything, like alcohol or drugs or anything that like social media, like you said, you got to be able to variate everything. And sometimes I'm stuck to my computer the whole day. The next day I feel like yeah, I need to spend more time out, so I just go out and I'm gardening and maybe I'm just refreshing refreshing my brain with the all that crap on the internet, and then the, I'm ready for I'm ready for it the next day. You know, it just you just need to listen to your 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 brain and your and your body a little bit more because sometimes we're just trying to tell you the right thing to do for yourself to feel good. And uh, I feel like trying to theorize everything kind of you you don't help your body, you don't help yourself to listen to your body and what it tells you to do to feel right. You know, if you have too much knowledge of all that, and it, I get it. It makes sense to me, uh, you know, what you say makes sense to me. But I feel like you should be able to know what's good for you without without reading uh, about about it. I mean, unless you have something specific, you're trying, you're trying to fight like uh, an addiction or something. But I feel like my body tell me right away, when I need to see the sunlight, I just go out because I feel like I need it.
0: Right. Yeah. So, not not everyone's like that, though. Right. Like, I'm fighting addiction at the moment, for instance, um, mm-hmm. and I'm dealing with a bunch of mental issues. But um, I think for you know, I think most people know that like if you exercise daily and eat good food daily and, and do all those things, you'll feel better. Like that's Of course. Seems like just common sense. <laughs> Yet there's still huge prevalence of addiction in the world, right? Even though probably most of these people know this.
1: Yeah. Um, people so I just are. Think some. People are more easy to get addicted to something too, and that that's just depending on everybody. I, I'm pretty lucky; I'm not easily addicted to to stuff. Uh, but but yeah, I get that we are all different, and some people it's 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 a big problem, of course.
0: Right, which is why when you're doing <clears throat> the dopamine getting thing, which is like you know say uh social media or something and you say i need sun it's really easy for you to be like all right let's go away from the the potentially addicting thing and just get sun mm-hmm. whereas for like a more addictive personality type person they might be like all right let's not go and get sun and <laughs> let's stay yeah here. yeah
1: <laughs> well obviously that, that uh it, it took it took many years to being able to to listen to uh, my my personal needs more being able to understand them a little bit more but but when I was a teenager or in my 20s, damn, yeah, I had a lot of addiction issue, uh, which uh, changed a lot right now. But but yeah, definitely, that, that it's cool that you have those tools now these days. Day. Like I said, I think that's a, that's a good point. That's something that some people might try to feel better if they, if they can really feel what their body is telling them to do.
0: Yeah, I'm going to try it maybe for the first time on Sunday this week and see what happens. So what you, and
1: so what's the thing? You wake up and you you sh- keep your phone off. Yeah. You uh, disconnect your internet and yeah. what are what are you able to do? Like you you can go out, go in the car.
0: You can go for a walk. Um, you can cook food, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could I suppose you could read a
1: book um mm-hmm. but that, that that's how, how is that different than watching a like a, a tv show or a documentary like reading a book or going uh, cooking food how is that 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 provides you dopamine right cook food you get some uh,
0: quiet to no? the same level right like i think cooking food or reading a book doesn't provide unnatural levels of dopamine whereas like social media does provide pretty unnatural levels of dopamine and drug use for sure produces oh unna- drug use unnatural no, of, levels oh, of dopamine of
1: course that's why you it's, think uh, so social much. media provides a uh, natural amount of dopamine.
0: For sure, and the reason why is because um, so humans, we when we get the thing that we want, uh, and we know we're going to get it a hundred percent. Like let's say I know that there's uh, cookies in my cupboard, and I know that I'm going to get them, and I want to go and eat one. I'll get hit with dopamine on the way to go get one, and then once I get one and eat it, I'll get hit with dopamine again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one way to get it. But when you get the biggest reward of dopamine, it's actually when it's random, when you don't know when you're going to get it and then you randomly get hit with it, which is why social media is such an insane thing because you don't know mm. when you're going to get a notification, right? But you know, so they're kind of random. And then when you get one, the hit of dopamine that you get from it is actually larger than if you knew you were going to have a notification every time.
1: Mm. And it, and their algorithm is based on that, right?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, kind of like that's... Um, Yes, I think it is actually. and I, I
1: think I read something about that uh, a few years ago, actually, about Facebook, the way they were showing you the notification, just like you said, it was like kind of random. They had that random um, thing in the formula, in the algorithm to make it like more well, addictive.
0: Yeah, it's inherently random anyway, because like not always is somebody going to message you or like your post or anything like that. But no, yeah. So you're going to randomly get notifications regardless. But yeah, that sort of randomization of when you will get a notification <clears throat> um, makes it more addictive, I guess.
1: It makes sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, cool, man. Well, yeah, I appreciate you doing the podcast. I have to go to the um, hardware store to buy a fire extinguisher because there's a 1% chance that there's an earthquake going to happen this week. What? Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs>
1: what are you talking about
0: yeah apparently there's a 1% chance of an earthquake this week so I need to go buy a fire extinguisher to prepare for that because so what, from what I understand um, my girlfriend was telling me about this last night a lot of the things that destroy areas from earthquakes is not actually from the earthquake itself it's from subsequent fires from the mm. earthquakes oh, so what yeah. happens is you get this crazy earthquake it breaks all the gas mains and yep. gas is going everywhere everything starts sitting on fire so that's why I need to go buy a fire extinguisher
1: well, you should have like that that valve uh i mean yeah there's a that valve shut off. Um, uh, yeah right
0: and i have a i just ordered a tool from amazon to be able to turn it off
1: wow it, it's scary well we, we had a earthquake here i don't know if you felt that like it was really close from here where i am uh, like two weeks and a half ago it was a 4.2 4.5 yeah. uh, i remember okay.
0: last time i was at your house um, you were like had specialists coming over to check the land and all that stuff because you were, you wanted to buy the house but you wanted to be sure that it was like not a not in a crazy earthquake zone before buying it right
1: mm-hmm. yeah well in the hills here in la if you don't if you don't do like a seismicology um uh expert t- just to check how how your house is com- has been like um uh, the did it had any damage during the previous earthquake, like the Northridge earthquake, which was a big one in the 90s, uh, what happened back then? Or how is the bedrock? Uh, if there's a major earthquake, is the house going to crack open? And uh, yeah, that was, that was something that my real estate agent, yeah, you really should take care of that. Uh, everybody that's buying houses in the hills should do that. It's just common sense. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, it's just was, one, one of the that things was scary. It's
0: one of the prices you pay of living in California. But you know, you get the benefit of the weather, but you also have the detriment of the, the earthquake. <laughs> that
1: is that is scary. That is really scary. It's something we're not used to at all. Oh man. And I, I felt fa- I felt it really well. It was a uh, during in the middle of the night, woke me up and I felt that wave of energy coming coming in it was super fast but like like five six seconds it felt like so much longer than that you really can feel the whole house shaking and moving it was just a 4.2 uh damn man if if we got like a seven or seven and 7.5 or something like that oh god well, yeah, hopefully it doesn't happen. <laughs> you said 1% chance. I'm not going to sleep tonight, man. Yeah, apparently it's a 1% chance this week, which, yeah, is Where?
0: Uh, it's the, the San Mateo fault line, I think. Uh, I don't know if it'll affect LA. Maybe it will.
1: Okay. Well, they, they said last year in July, there's been like two big earthquakes here. Right after we moved in, like a week after, boom. Two big ones, like six point something like which is pretty pretty big, you know uh, it lasted for a pretty long time, one separated by the other by two or three days, and they said there's been studies now that say these two one actually uh, made the risk of having the big one so much more rise the probability of the big one by a lot like so it's really, really scary. <laughs> really scary. Well, yeah.
0: Hopefully we don't get one. But yeah. Anyway, man. Um. Yeah. I really appreciate you taking the time to come and chat. And uh, pleasure. Yeah. Man. I can't Thank wait you for to me come down again. and hang out with you again after all this COVID shit is over.
1: I have a I have a proper room for you right now.
0: Yeah. Nice. I can see you got one of those bricks uh, vocal booths back there too.
1: Yeah. Studio bricks. That that's great, man. There's no not a screw in there. Easy to build, just that um, the door is impossible to maneuver. <laughs> it's so heavy. Damn.
0: Sick. Well, fuck yeah, man. All right. Have a good one. Yeah, you too, man. Take care. Hey, thanks for listening to the Mr. Build Podcast. These episodes are edited and uploaded twice a week by Robert Fumo of 303podpro.com. You can also support the show, get early access to episodes and hear bonus content by going to patreon.com forward slash MrBillsTunes and becoming a patron. Uh, Please rate and review on iTunes unless you're going to be a little shit about it. And all the links to my various platforms are at MrBillsTunes.com. Thank you.